My name is Ryan Glaspiegel. I cover the intersection of sports and entertainment for the New York Post. I like cheap beer and expensive bourbon, and you can hear me on the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm one half your host today, Justin Williams. And as you know, I always roll with somebody. I can't do this solo. It's too intimidating. I have high anxiety. Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the legend is with me today. The one that knows all about NFTs. The one who I blast all the time on our uh, good old newsletter, which is coming out later on tonight. The guy who makes my voice sound amazing. Ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between, please welcome Colbert Durand. Kobe, how you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing good, buddy. Uh, this week we've got we've got a guest who could find themselves on the UFC Strike NFT platform, and there was some big news coming out of UFC Strike today. I got I was a little privy to, so big things are coming, buddy. Big things are coming. Ooh, we love that. It's always great when you like get like a card or an NFT, and you can actually match it to the person's face, or in this case, their voice for us. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a UFC fighter coming by the name of Orion Kosi. He's looking for a fight in April. He had to take some time off due to some illness early on, but he's back in the cage kicking ass. We literally had to postpone this interview by 15 minutes because he was training. That's how dedicated he is. He pushed us to the side. We're the back burner of this man's life. That's how serious he is for sport. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Orion. Orion, how you doing? We're doing good, man. Uh, thank you for understanding that I get that workout session in. I try to fit it into what I could, but it was running a little bit longer than I wanted it to do. So thank you guys for understanding the uh, the forefront of what my career is and then uh, how this is all nice back burner. It's nice to be able to do these kind of things. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Thank you for coming on. We're pretty flexible. We kind of understand, especially when it comes to professional athletes, like there could be a, like a last second, not issue, but something happens and it causes a delay, but it is what it is. So Orion, with your potential upcoming bouts, you don't know who it's going to be. You don't know who you're going to fight or any of that. But how do you train for that futuristic fight? Honestly, I just train the same way I always have, you know, work on my pressure, making sure I stay healthy. I mean, we've seen the difference between a healthy me and an injured me in the cage and what I can do. So it, it doesn't matter how tall or short somebody is. If they have a longer reach, same reach, shorter reach. Um, at the 170 division, we're seeing more guys with a, like an average 74-inch reach advantage more versus I have a 71-inch reach, you know, and being at 5'11", or, you know, 5'10", and three-fourths, stuff like that. I got to just push on what I can control, work on getting on the inside, and then I like to use my pressure because I was always a pressure wrestler. So I, I like to get myself beat up in practices, and then when I train, I train to beat the shit on myself. That way I can be ready for anything my way in a fight awesome you suffered a loss to philip rowe it was your first one in your professional career how did you bounce back from that when you fought blood diamond i uh, just made sure i didn't go in with an injury you know i was dealing with nerve damage still on the right arm but 
I didn't want to be one of those fighters. And I'm not making excuses. You know, Phil Rowe, he came out the better guy that day. We were cutting weight together the night before the fight. We shook hands and chit-chatted a little bit after that fight. And there's nothing but respect for him. But we, we've seen the difference between a healthy me and someone going into a fight with an injury. And I, I was a little hard-headed. I should have gone in with that nerve damage in the right arm still. But it is what it is. You know, we as fighters, we have to make choices. And that's just one choice that I made. And I'm not going to say, like, it wouldn't happen again. But I would definitely make sure to use more of my wrestling against a guy like him. He's tall. He's lengthy. He has really good boxing. Once he gets that range, he, he knows exactly what he's doing. So Phil's great with the stand-up and his range boxing. And I felt like I was doing good in the first round with uh, controlling the wrestling. But I, like I said, I felt that numbness in the right arm. But hats off to that guy. I hope to see him down the road in the future. I hope so, too. Nothing like a good redemption fight. And before I pass you off to Kobe, one little question for you again. How did Galaxy become your nickname? Uh, my high school wrestling coach, we actually just uh, gave him an honor of 25 years of service for, uh, you know, high school wrestling and you, uh, like freestyle youth wrestling programs up in Humboldt County where I was from on the reservation. But, but I wasn't able to get to that because I had work and training, obviously. But... Um, he gave me the nickname Galaxy, and I had a bunch of nicknames growing up, you know, like Oreo, Italo, <laughs> like my middle name, a lot of people called me by, but I only let like close family and friends tell me that, but you know, like Oreo, Big O, fucking, there, there's a bunch of different nicknames, but my coach, he called me Galaxy, and the reason why is because, uh, he said in Men in Black, Orion was the Galaxy, and it was the most important thing, and so he just told me, like, hey, your name means a lot. So you, you have potential. You can be a star. And that's kind of – it was funny because Laura Sanko, she also said that. She said, your name was Orion. It's written in the stars. Do you feel like it was your destiny? And maybe it is destiny to do, like, great things in this fight game. I feel like I can do great in this fight game. But, yeah, that came back from my high school wrestling coach, so I stuck with it because I liked it. And it's also, like, a shout-out and a thank you back to him to keep, you know, his memory going as well for uh, whenever he does pass. He ain't going to pass for a long time. But, you know, one of those days, you, you never know what happens in this world. So I, I hope he keeps living until he's uh, 100 years old. So We hope that, too. Yeah. So, Orion, um, that fight versus Blood Diamond, you, you missed weight. Was that your first time missing weight? Yeah, that was my first time missing weight ever as a fighter. But I've missed weight one time in high school wrestling. And I missed by pounds. But the weird thing was the scale was 0.2 pounds heavy. And we all knew it, too, because uh, we all weighed in 0.2 heavier than the other scale. There was two other scales, but the official scale that the dual meet was using was 0.2 heavy, so we had no choice. But that, that was okay. I mean, we all sent it up winning the uh, dual meet and stuff like that, but we definitely had to go do a bunch of gassers. But that fight, the weight was coming off just fine. But then the last eight pounds was not coming off. And so I stayed up all night. I didn't go to bed until I uh, had to walk down for weigh-in. So I was up cutting from 6 p.m. And I was like 12 pounds over at that point. And typically that weight comes off fast. And uh, I water, I felt like I water-loaded pretty well. And then at eight pounds, it stopped. And then it got to four pounds and stopped. And then it took me from, I think it was 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., another like two and a half came off so it was 1.5 over and then i tried cutting to, like the last pound and a half but nothing was coming out my body was shutting down i was overheating i was starting to get dizzy and then i went downstairs to like check my weight and i was pissed and i you know i told sean shelby even before stepping on the scale he's all hey bud i was like man i'm so sorry dude he's like no i'm just glad that you came down you're trying to make weight like you waited till the last minute and then i went out and my brother and i were like hey we're gonna try to cut weight and the doctor's like we'll, we'll be we'll decide that and then the doctor 
after they were about to pull me off that card almost. So, hey, man, I'm going to tell you right now, we're thinking about pulling you. So if you even go and try to cut weight right now, we're, we're going to definitely pull you off the card. I was like, well, I don't want to be pulled off the card. And so my brother and my coaches, they were like, hey, so like, what's the game plan? Like, let's go have him cut. And the doctor's like, no, I don't think you fuckers understand. Like, we're going to pull him. We might actually pull him. And they told my manager that. And they were saying, like, my body was shutting down. They were probably going to send me to the hospital. I was like, no, nah, just give me some time to recover. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, And I was lying to them. I wasn't fine. But I wanted to fight. I wasn't going to waste all that time getting ready. That fight was already pushed back three times. Blood Diamond came in. He was ready. I felt like training camp went well. I was ready. But that was definitely the worst weight cut I've ever had. And I'm going to change some things up. I was doing a lot of strength and recovery during that time. Um, kept getting sick over and over ever since I got that COVID shot. So I wish I never got it. But... You know, definitely doing more things to try to recover um, and take care of my health this time. Make sure that I'm not walking around. And obviously, as you get older, it gets harder to cut weight. But, but that was a weird one. And then going into the fight, uh, fight day, I was up puking and shitting my guts out. Couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. And so I just did what I could and just hydrated. Now, if you don't mind, what, what's the purse penalty for that? So the penalty for missing weight was 20% of my purse. And then obviously, Blood Diamond and his coaches wanted to. And they could have said, nah, they're not going to take that fight. But fortunately enough, you know, Blood Diamond's an awesome guy. And I still talk to him every now and then to catch up, see how his training's going. Or we'll just chit-chat to see how the family and stuff like that's doing. Good camaraderie before and after the fight with each other. But it was 20% of my purse. And then uh, it was unfortunate I missed weight because there, there was a rumor that we could have um, got a fight of the night. Because I guess a lot of people liked that fight. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I got to go back and watch it again. I, I don't really like to go back and watch my fights. I will sometimes, but I'll watch it like once or twice. But typically a lot of people, when I do have a chance to sit down and watch it, there's other people around to watch it and then they'll give their input. I'm like, guys, I just want to watch it like as an athlete trying to watch the fight. Now, I know wrestling's your base, but I've watched a number of your fights and you, you throw with some vicious intent. Maybe not the most polished striker, but you, you hit with heavy hands is that something you've been working on or is that something you defaulted to because you didn't feel like you were a polished striker? You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I have the best striking in the world. I know I don't, but I like to throw with really heavy hands because I know like, I don't even have to throw like as hard as I can, but I know if I land, it hurts those guys. And so I, I already got heavy hands and heavy kicks as it is. And then mitts that with my wrestling. I know I'm a dangerous fighter, but I'm definitely always working on my striking. I want to be more polished as a striker. So I wanted to go out there and because I missed weight, instead of just going down and like taking the fight to the ground over and over and over again, I wanted to see how well I could do on the striking. And mm -hmm. I feel like I did pretty good. There was in the second round where he hit me with a solid knee to the lower rib and I felt my ribs slip out. And that's why I did it because I felt it pop out and I was like, oh, fuck. But then as soon as he clinched, I felt it pop back in. I was like, oh, thank God. And I was able to <laughs> faster. But had he kept the striking going and like landing on that rib or had he noticed that would have like sat me on my ass and I would have had to did something to recover. But I definitely felt my rib go out right there. Okay. All right. Justin? What does a rib going out feel like? I've never heard of this. So have you ever had a broken rib? Uh, nothing rib related. I've dislocated my ankle and my shoulder and I've broken my foot. Okay. So when you slip your rib, it feels like somebody just stabbed you in your lungs. Oh. But it was a lower, it was the floater rib. So I felt that go out. And that literally feels like it stabs you in your abdomen. And obviously, when you breathe, you're not breathing into your lungs. You're breathing into your abdomen. But then, because there's pressure there, it feels like it goes into your abdomen through your lungs. And it's it's um 
it's it's as if somebody were to come up and like uh, sucker punch you in your stomach without you noticing, but you notice it. But <laughs> not like it, I've, I've been sucker punched in the stomach a couple of times. Like you know, like friends trying to like, oh, I wonder if you can do it, and it just pisses me off. Like. I know how to handle it. And then, you know, I do a lot of like body conditioning training. So I feel like if I didn't allow myself like after practices and after training to let people like throw knees on my stomach and throw power hooks and shots and kits at my stomach, like I'm not letting them throw a hundred percent, but they're throwing, you know, pretty hard and they're throwing through so I can work on my body toughness and uh, conditioning and recovery. I feel like if I didn't do that, that rib shot might've put me down, but because I practiced that, you know, and making sure like my body can handle that kind of punishment. Like I said, when I when I train, I'm trying to put myself into a punished state so I can try to force myself to recover while I'm hurting. I feel like that uh, worked in my benefit. But that, that was a fun fight for sure. And I knew in the third round, I was like, you know what? I need to go and get a win. That's more important than anything. Like the first two rounds, we had our fun. We did our striking. I got some of my takedowns. We had that double spinning back fist that led to an exciting moment really fast. And I feel like I... I just have too much fun in there sometimes, even with Phil Rowe and then with Blood Diamond, even with, uh, who was it, um, in my Contender Series fight, Dipson. I, I smile a little too much, and I've noticed that. I went through all my old fights, and I'm smiling. Like, you got to be kind of fucking sick in the head to be in there, and you're throwing damage, you're taking some damage, and you're in there just smiling. So I feel like a part of me has just been watching too much, like, Goku highlights and Dragon Ball Z, and I just <laughs> got to get back in there and just tell myself, hey, man, like, no one gives a shit if you're out there having fun. They give a shit if you're out there winning. You're going to have some fans that respect that. We, we've seen that with a couple of fighters. They go out there. You know, we have um, Big Mouth, um, Holland. A lot of fighters like him. But now that, you know, he's lost a couple of fights and people are like, oh, yeah, see what happens when talking gets you. And it's like, it's exciting. It's fun. But there's a difference between winning those fights and losing those fights. you got to win those fights. So i got to go back to my old ways where I really don't care about the other person's health. Get back to my, you know, if I got somebody's arm, I'll snap it. Because they're going to try to do the same thing to me. They're going to try to take my head off. They're going to try to fucking hurt me. So i got to go out there, be willing to hurt them, kill them, shit like that. Damn. So I was going to say before, you, have you ever experienced a floating rib injury like that or nothing? Like, how did you know it was it was out before because I've had a couple of those injuries from wrestling. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. So when you were making your pro debut against Izzy, what was that like coming off of amateur to pro? Was there like any difference? Did the training increase a little bit? Like, What was that jump like? The fight for Blood Diamond or after? Well, no. Uh, so according to your topology or stuff here, it says your first pro fight was against Izzy. Is that true? Izzy William? Yeah, that, that was over in uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, Warrior Game 3, apparently. Yeah, yeah, that was over in Wisconsin. So between my last amateur fight and my first pro fight, I think there was like a two-and-a-half, three-year hiatus where I just wasn't able to get fights. I couldn't find fights. And I would have people say, yeah, they want to fight. I'm like, cool, fucking book it. And then like two days later, they'd be like, oh, they, they took somebody else. And I'm like, what, they didn't think I was going to accept the fight or something? Like, just book me a fight. Get me a fight. I'm ready to fight. 170, 185. I really don't care. I'll do a catch weight. We can do 170, 75, 80, 85. Like, I'm down for any of those weights. Just get me a fight. And nothing was happening. And then my buddy who used to train at the gym with us back up in Humboldt, he moved back to Wisconsin to try to go and uh, help his uh, tribe over there and stuff like that. But he started putting on these fights and he's like, hey, I'd love to have you on one of my cards. And I was like, dude, I would love to just pay for this, give me this, and we'll be set to go. And so preparing for that, you know, I, I was just doing all the training that I typically do. Um, if I didn't train, if I miss a morning practice, I would always train in the afternoon. And I always told myself, 
if I miss a practice or if I miss a training session, I have to make up for that training session the same fucking day. And that's all I've been doing. And if I'm sick, I try to do something like go for a walk, go for a light jog. Just don't overdo it. But getting ready for those mm-hmm. fights, I just train, 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 train. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. One thing I don't do is I don't try to hurt my training partners. I'll put the pressure on them, but you see a lot of these athletes where they bring people in nowadays, especially like the bigger gyms. You see them like bringing people in that aren't pros or they are pros and they get paid to get beat up and they're getting like heavy bombs thrown on them. It's like, I don't need to do that. I know when I need to hurt somebody and I don't need to hurt people in sparring. I need my training partners to last long. So if I'm breaking them and I'm pushing them, I know I'm doing something right. So what I'll do is I'll taper back a little bit and I'll start working on my countering because I know I can pressure and beat the shit out of somebody. But now I need to know, like, I got to put myself in a position. Okay, what if I can't use my right hand anymore, like against Phil Rowe? So I'll make it to where I keep my right hand up and I won't throw it. Right. Like, hey, what if I can't use my, like, my right ankle slips out? Like, I accidentally, like, slip, I, uh, you know, twist my ankle. What if I can't throw a kick anymore? Now I got to switch my stance and start going southpaw. And fortunately enough, I love doing southpaw stuff, so. Well, there you go. To kind of further double down on that, out of all your fights, which fight are you most, not impressed, but like proud of that you're like, this fight, this is the one that is me at my best? I'd have to say that uh, the Matt Dixon one was definitely one of the ones where I was at my best, even though the first round didn't go my way. I felt like uh, the weight cut, that one, that one hurt. But mm-hmm. fortunately enough, I just told myself after that first round, I was like, this motherfucker's never taking me down again. And we saw the takedowns. That was just me thinking he couldn't take me down, and then he did take me down. He was explosive, but I got right back up. And then I was kind of overcommitted, and I think it was more so like, hey, dude, like, I was more in my head in that first round where I told myself, I was like, man, this is it. This is the moment. Like, you win this fight. And I was just talking to myself, like, you're fighting in front of Dana. You're fighting in front of Sean. You're fighting in front of, like, the world right now on Dana White's contender series. And then I knew after that first turn, I was like, I just lost that round. I don't like that. And this motherfucker's not getting another goddamn takedown. I'm going to beat the fuck out of him now. And that's, you know, I went in there and I started pressuring and I started picking up my shots and I started pushing the tempo and we could see it too. Like he could not get the takedowns and I started to break him mentally. He thought, holy fuck, like this guy's not giving up anymore. And he was like trying to throw, but he noticed like his shots were not doing shit because I just, Instead of thinking, what am I going to do next? I just went in there, push, push, push. You know, second round ended, and I told myself, and I told my quarter, I was like, I'm finishing the, I'm going to finish the fight this round. Like, this is not going to a draw. I'm going to finish the fight. And I went out there, and I'm thinking, like, because he pushed me to the cage, and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I know he's done for a fucking takedown, but he's not going to get it. And we could see that too, where I look up at Mark Goddard, and I kind of like wave my hand, like, this guy's not fucking doing shit. And Mark says, uh, if you want off the cage, you know, get off the cage. And I'm like. And I shrug, and I'm like, and I told myself, I was like, all right, fuck this guy. And I push him against the cage, and I just, you know, from there, take him down, slam him. You're right, I thought I knocked him out for a second. But I just told myself, get the finish, get the finish, keep working, get the finish. You're not going to let the judges decide, prove the world different. It doesn't matter if this guy's a favorite. So I went in there, the underdog, and I was glad I went in the underdog because it kind of gives you a push. But there's, there's a difference, too, as a fighter where you're – thinking too much or you're thinking let's get to this position let's dominate you're dominating keep working keep working keep working and i just had to remind myself because in all my fights where i do great i'm always telling myself push 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 
and, and you know, I'm not thinking about like, oh shit, like my arm's going numb. What the fuck do I do now? Um, oh shit, you know, he took me down. What do I do now? I, I can't. I don't have time to think about that as an athlete. If you're thinking, you're not reacting. The best fighters, they they have this instinctual. You know, when football players play, and they say, you know, like there's only one or two times you go into the zone where. You're not thinking. You're just in the moment, and everything happens the way it needs to. Or in basketball, they talk about being in the zone. Well, in fighting, when you're in the zone, it's like in, in terms of Dragon Ball Z, you're in ultra instinct. You're not thinking. You're just letting your body do. So when I train, um, I'll spar. and There'll be times where I'm thinking as I spar, but then when I want to pick up the intensity, I don't think at all. I'm just pushing, letting my body do its thing. I'm just moving. And you can definitely tell, too, like you don't get as tired as an athlete when you're not thinking. You're definitely able to do a lot more than you realize. It seems to be it's working for you. Yeah, Ryan, you've you've bounced around from a few different gyms, correct? I wouldn't call it bouncing around. It was just more so like moving. So like I used to, when I was living in Hoop on the reservation, we had like Warrior Society is what we called our little gym because, uh, you know, the tribal, you know, warriors and stuff like that from back in the past. So if you were an athlete or like a warrior of the tribe, so we came back to our tribe and by called Warrior Society. But then I moved out to the bay, or not to the bay, but out to the coast from my tribal land up in Humboldt, which is like six hours north of where I'm at right now. Uh, I went to Lost Boys, and then I trained up there for years. And then I moved down to Sacramento and Roseville, and uh, I'm with uh, Alpha Male and UFC Jim Rockland, where I got a job there. And I'm not going to sit here and say I'm at Alpha Male all the time. Like I need to get in there more often. But with my work schedule and the way like you know going through moves or if I'm sick, I don't want to be that guy who goes in while I'm sick, especially ever since I got that COVID shot. Like, there was a point where I was getting sick after the COVID shot, like every other week or every three weeks, getting like a cold or a flu. And I was like, this isn't right. So I started doing like a detox, trying to like get that shit out of my system. But, you know, and even during the holidays, I got pneumonia, the flu and the cold back to back to back in the span of five weeks. And so I wanted to fight in February, like this month, but that wasn't going to work out because I couldn't train weeks. Like I was sick and sick and sick and I wasn't able to get into the gym because I don't want to get those down. So I'm about to get back in there more often once I'm done with uh, this move. But definitely, I feel like a lot better no matter what. Even if I'm in the morning practice, I'm always training with me in the afternoon. So I'm never missing a session. I'm always making sure to catch up on my session. Now, what does joining a team like Team Alpha Male like do for you? What advantages are you seeing? There's always people in there. I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of people in there. But like I said, I haven't been there in a while. I need to get back in there. Um, I was definitely you know, waiting to not be sick because there's so many people there. I don't want to be the guy who say I had the flu. I go in there and I train on my no, no, no. It's just a runny nose. Dude, even if, if, you, if you have a runny nose or a cough, dude, you shouldn't be training with the other people, especially a gym that big, because then that shit's going to spread like the plague and then everyone's sick. And there's always people, the fight's coming up within a matter of weeks or a month. And you don't want to be that guy who's taking people out of their training. So usually when I'm sick, I'll just train at home on my own. Yeah, 100%. And what inspired you to pursue MMA in the beginning? When I was growing up, I wanted to be like a basketball player. I wanted to be a baseball player. I wanted to be a football player. I wanted to be an astronaut. Like, I wanted to go to college to wrestle, play football. Like, I wanted to do everything. But I remember growing up watching Pride, and I was like, I want to do this. Like, my brother, he knew right off the bat he wanted to do that. And I'm thinking, I was like, do I want to do football? Do I want to do basketball? Do I want to you know fighting i was like can i do all three can i do two out of three like what can i do and i always was thinking about like you know what's next do i want to be an actor singer shit like that and don't get me wrong i like singing and stuff but i ain't got a fucking great voice i'd have to do like hard rock or country like i ain't going out there fucking doing no pop fucking <laughs> as a like, damn voice for anything but 
I like doing like writing short films and uh, little short novels and stuff like that. So it'd definitely be fun to get into that. So that's more like a side hobby compared to like personal training and fighting. But when I got older in high school, uh, wrestling and basketball were at the same time. Football season was the season before. So I knew I was like, you know what? Football and wrestling are my passion. Basketball can die off. And I played basketball as like, you know, like a hobby on the side to get into good shape because you run around a lot. You're jumping, you're, you're doing stuff. But it came down to a decision. I was like, wrestling first, football second. With wrestling, you can get into, you know, like, you know, um, boxing, kickboxing, stuff like that. But I picked up boxing and kickboxing when I was younger, and I just kept doing it more and more and more. And then got into BJJ a little bit in high school, and then as I got older, got more into it. And I just knew, I was like, you know what, I definitely want to be a fighter. And then when college wrestling didn't work out, because I was trying to go to Oregon State to wrestle, that didn't end up working out because at that time in 2012 through 2013, they put my classes and I couldn't, they wouldn't let me switch my classes, but I wasn't able to go to practice for like three out of five days of the week. And pretty much like the coach was like, Hey, like we'll try to do what we can, but we can't do much because they're not letting us switch a lot of people's schedules. So it was that time where the teacher count, uh, like the teacher, student council, faculty, or whatever it's called, wasn't um, acknowledging the student athlete uh, department. And so they were having like they were butting heads. I'm like, well, academics is first. I'm like, that's cool, but I didn't come here to fucking learn. Like, I already know what I want to know. I don't need to know like chemistry and physics and stuff like that. I don't want to be a chemist or a physicist. I want to do this. And so I decided after that one year, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll try going to a CR really fast, get out of college. And then I just realized I was like, you know what? I'm done with college. I'm learning all this dumb shit. I don't really need to learn. I don't really care. And then just got into more training, and I just kept training. And then I got into fighting right after I saw my brother with his uh, amateur fight. And I was like, you know what? Like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to keep pushing it. So we, we just pushed ourselves, and that's how we got into it more and more and more. Just training, training, training. Oh, that's awesome, man. It's awesome. You decided, made your decision, and just went for it. That's it, man. Got to love the commitment. And, you know, I mean, life's, life's about choices. You got to bounce around, kind of figure things out a little bit. And it seems like you did that. You know, it's good on you. It's obviously serving you well. Before we get you out of here, we have a couple fun little silly questions to ask you. Uh, number one, Orion, have you ever had a traditional Canadian dish called a poutine? Oh, uh, dude, you're going to laugh so hard because the first time I ever ordered it, I went to um, TriStar. What was it? Was it 20, 2015, I think? Uh, no, no, no. I can't remember what year it was. It was either 2015 or 2017. I went to TriStar, got to train like GSP, Mike, nice. all those guys. And, um, it was fun. Like I didn't get to train with Thor at the time. He was busy getting ready for a fight, so he had his uh, he had his camp. But I got to do a lot a lot of training up there, and then uh, that, that was a fun fun time. But I remember my first time trying to order poutine. And I was like, "Hey, can I get that poutine bowl?" And they're like, "What did you just say to me?" And I was like, "Poutine." I get a poutine bowl, and they're like, "Oh, you mean poutine?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, poutine." Why? And they're all, "Dude, you're saying fuck. You're saying fuck you." And I was like, "Oh, my bad." Well, I'm, I was like, I'm from America, dude. Like, I try my best. These guys told me it was a Putin bull. Like, I'm not trying to say fuck you. And the guy's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But he was a French Canadian. And so I was like, hey, like, what do you guys have for sides? He's all, what do you mean sides? Like, he started getting <laughs> And I was like, you know, like, do you guys have, like, ranch or, like, extra cheese, like, for the poutine? He's all, poutine. And I was like, yeah, poutine. He's like, no, poutine. Like, he's, like, trying to make it emphasis. Like, he's just a <laughs> snarky asshole at this point. I was like, dude, you know what? Putin, like, give me some fucking ranch, dude. If you don't have fucking ranch, just give me my fucking food. I was so sick of it. Like, he was taking his time. He was just fucking with me at this point. And I was like, you know what? 
take take your French Canadian fucking money. Give me my fucking food, and if I see any spit in it, I'm gonna throw it back in your fucking face. I was like, fuck you, dude. I'm just here to order. I wasn't trying to be an asshole. You're being the fucking prick. And he just stopped talking. I was like, thanks. Give me my fucking food right now. And he just stopped. And I was like, and all, all the guys that were with me at the time, they're all like, yo, Ryan, like, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. I was like, nah, if I was a fucking, you know, food worker, I'm not doing that to somebody because you never know how people are gonna act. I was like, fuck that. So I, re- I realized if I deal with an asshole, instead of saying poutine, I'm just saying to say, yeah, poutine. There you go. I mean, French Canadians kind of have that uh, reputation of being assholes, especially yeah. in Quebec. So snarky. They're so fucking snarky. You ha- you're like, hello, how's your day going? Can I ask directions here? And they're like, oh, you don't know the directions? It's like, no, or else I wouldn't fucking ask, dickhead. Like, use your brain. And they just stop. And it's like, <laughs> thank you. They didn't realize like I was going to be a snarky asshole right back to them. They just thought, like, I'm going to take it because I'm a tourist. And I was like, nah, fuck you. Like, hell no. I, I don't tolerate that stuff. I always try to be polite, but, you know, I'll give it, like, one or two tries, and as soon as someone keeps being a prick, I'm just going to be a prick right back and just raise my voice and let them know, like, I'm not here to fuck around. Especially when you're hungry right after training. It's like, dude, just give me my fucking food, dog. Like, don't even, yeah, no, don't don't fuck with the hungry bear. Yeah, but you know what? It was good, though. I will say this. It was pretty damn good, especially with the extra cheese. Damn right. Cheese makes the world a better place, unless you're lactose intolerant. Uh, so, since you were in Montreal, did you end up having a beaver tail as well? I didn't get to try a beaver tail. No, I, I did not do that. Um, I did get to go to um, uh, Lac de Noir, I think it was, like North Lake. Or, um, I went to one of the lakes. We went to a uh, cabin house for like the last two days. I went with uh, Uriah Mimoni. He was my strength and conditioning coach at the time, but we're still like, we're like brothers. He lives down in LA right now as a personal trainer, training people down there. But it was me, him, and a couple other people. We went up and we just uh, hung out on the lake and got to explore the nature because they knew, like, being from Humboldt, they knew they were like, hey, bro, we know you hate the city. You trained your ass off. Like, let's get you out into the country for a little bit. I was like, dude, thank you. So that that was awesome. Awesome. And where can our fans find you on social media? You guys can find me on Instagram, Twitter. Don't follow me on Facebook. I won't follow back. I mean, I'll follow you guys back. But I ain't going to follow, like, fans back. <laughs> I got the Orion Galaxy Cozy, uh fan page on there that you that people can follow but i like to try to keep my uh you know page for like family and friends from back home and around here or like people i meet and stuff like that so instagram and twitter for the most part you guys can also follow me on twitch galaxy cozy 15 i like to play different fps's and then whenever a new horror game comes out you guys can watch me get scared on there there you go just gave you a follow on twitter boss awesome i'll get you get back all right well, it was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on, mate. You were wonderful. Very informative. Hold on, man. Hold on. What's your favorite Dragon Ball Z character? Because you mentioned Dragon Ball Z a few times. Come on, man. Goku. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I'll say Goku and Brawly are two of my favorites. I I, I just like the uh, the yin-yang contrast between the two. Because a lot of people are saying, like, oh, no, like, Goku and Vegeta are the perfect yin-yang. But we've seen, like, they used to be the perfect yin-yang until Vegeta became a good guy. Uh, you know, same with Piccolo, but Brawly, like back in the earth, like Dragon Ball Z, when they first had the Brawly movie, that was the pinnacle or like Cell was one of my favorites, but Brawly was just, it wasn't like he was intelligent like, uh, Cell was, Cell was very methodical because Cell knew like, Hey, I have to get here to get this power. But then he ended up getting beat up by, you know, Super Saiyan 2 Gohan, which was a great fight. But Brawly was just... Mm the epitome of he wasn't evil he was just fucking insane with power 
so like Cell was one of those like he was in, you know create like just evil because he wanted to be evil. That was uh, all about Cell. Kid, Kid Boo, <laughs> yeah. like you know like he was just like this ball of evil. And same with Frieza. Frieza's just piece of shit evil. Now you know he can say, "What's up, my Saiyans?" And it's like, "Whoa, like you're saying it a little hard with the end at the end, bro. You gotta calm mm-hmm. down there, Black Frieza." But uh, <laughs> you know, broadly, he just he was just crazy with the power. Like that power going through him made him absolutely insane to where he would be like a good guy and then that flip switch. And I was like, "Dude, that's awesome!" Because you see it, you don't see that too much. Like where someone has so much power they go into a rage but you used to see it uh with like early on when they would go into like the great ape or like the uzuru form because they'd have so much power that they would transform into apes and they'd be out of control like you know kind of like a a gorilla or an ape that's you know out of control in real life but with brawly he stayed human form and so it was like a mix match of that so that was pretty cool to see so goku and brawly are definitely my favorites uh in terms of that but I like I like it overall. I just I love the show, especially the fighting. It's all it's all great to have, great to see the ultra you know instinct shit like that uh, universal tournament art that was badass. Dragon Ball though, like Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z are my two favorite sagas. Um, and then I, I get into other stuff too, but that that's also like bypass. I got a bunch of different things that I like, a bunch of different hobbies. Definitely Goku though. That's a lot of my fighting. Like Goku and Brawly, I definitely take my fighting after. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. All right. It was cool having you on, Ryan. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. Look forward to doing this again, maybe like the week of a fight or right after a fight. Yeah, that'd be wicked, man. That'd be wicked. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website, www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience, where no sport is left behind.